Welcome to the get out of the hotel room before they kick us out version of Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Ari Wasserman, Bill Landis from Cleveland.com. We are getting ready to leave Arizona after uh, last night's Fiesta Bowl loss for the Buckeyes, 31-0. We want to talk about what that game means for Ohio State next year. There's a ton of stuff on our site right now, cleveland.com slash OSU. Go read it all. More is coming. We have a lot of stuff that we got from the young guys while we were here before the game. This team is going to look pretty similar next year. They had 16 starters that they had to replace after last season. It's not going to be nearly that high this year. They're losing one senior starter in Pat Elfline. Obviously, another four, five, six guys are going to go to the NFL early. But Bill, Ari, I have one thing I want to say right off the bat. I have the solution to the JT Barrett quarterback question, right? Do you think that people have a question about assuming JT Barrett is back next year? And are we assuming he's back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we are. What they should do, right? Do you, do you think the fans are sort of wondering, should there be a competition? Should he be the quarterback for sure? Everybody loves Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, right? Are people yeah. thinking well, that? Well, I wrote the JT yeah, Barrett, so. what he said directly after the game, which was, it's going to be hard to leave after losing 31 to nothing in the playoff. And I don't know because fans get really riled up um, when they're losing and right after a loss. But the majority of the response I got from that story was, good riddance, you should go. Or we need a quarterback competition. And I don't know, again, if that's just people fired up right in the moments after a loss or if that's going to be the general thought process going in throughout the entire offseason. Well, it was happening all season. It wasn't. It was yeah. certainly ramped up. <clears throat> Before and after this game, but it was like that all year. Can, well, I, can I guess your solution before you tell us? Yes. Uh, JT Barrett moves the running back? Oh, no. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. He pulls the Braxton Dude, move. Honestly, that would be actually... He's our best running back. <clears throat> no, but like... Yeah, I don't know. Okay, here it is. So I wrote before the game how JT Barrett is Tim Tebow. He's a guy who is not a great thrower, but does all the other things Urban Meyer wants in a quarterback. Here's my solution for next year. JT Barrett is Chris Leak. I knew it. <laughs> and Dwayne Haskins is Tim Tebow. In 2006... Wouldn't it be the other way around? No. No. And I, now, but here's, here's what I mean. Chris Leak in 2006 for Florida was the main quarterback as the veteran, okay? And Tim Tebow was a running quarterback, but he was the complement, but he played. I know the roles are reversed, and Dwayne Haskins is the thrower, and JT Barrett's the runner, you can't – I don't think you can make – well, maybe you could. JT Barrett was a heck of a red zone quarterback for Cardale Jones. I think you can find a way. I think you could find a way. I still would think you'd want JT Barrett to be the great majority of the plays guy. but And you can't just put – in 2006, they put in Tim Tebow to run. You can't have JT Barrett in on first and second down and on third and seven put in Dwayne Haskins to throw. Yeah. Unless you could. Well, like the thing that's funny is – I you, think you could find a way. Do, but before – do you think you could find a way for JT Barrett to be the primary quarterback and Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow to have a role as a complementary quarterback that makes this offense better? I think it's tough when the roles are reversed like that. If it was and it was it's more it's more complex than thrower and runner. But if your starter and the the main quarterback, the guy who plays the most, is the guy with the throwing deficiency, I don't know if that can work. Like you said, you can't just run the ball on first, second down, and then throw in the guy who can pass on third down. That's not a recipe for success. You're going to lose every game if you do that. I think the reverse of that that they did with Leak and Tebow in 06 is more likely to work. I think, in general, two quarterback systems are awful. 
Um, so no, I don't think that could work. I don't think it's a solution at all either. Wrong. <laughs> I thought I had it. I it's thought I to think solved it. it. Well, like it just Tebow was just such a unique person and athlete. And it was just like how, even when they beat Ohio State in those six, I just remember people complaining, like, how could this guy line up in the backfield? You know it's coming, and he's still going to get it. And I don't know, unless you think that JT Barrett, which you think he has some of the similar qualities as a runner, but, like, I don't think he's so bad at throwing that you need to bring somebody else in. Oh, I think he is. Well, then I think that if that's the case, that is the real case, then I think that there should be a real quarterback competition. All right, how about this? How about Dwayne Haskins in the Cardale Jones role? When they got when they started the quarterback change in 2015, and they started JT Barrett as the red zone quarterback for a couple of those games against bad competition when it worked really well. Could Dwayne Haskins be the Cardale Jones? We're moving the ball, whatever, but when we get in the red zone and the defenses get crunched together and we're gonna run the ball anyway, then we put in JT Barrett. And and you could still I mean, obviously, if you're going to do this, you need to find a way for it to still be JT Barrett's team, even if he's not playing every snap. That's the difficult part of this, and that, to me, is also what would make it different than Cardale Jones, JT Barrett, because there you had two guys who were equals, and it was like, well, who's the quarterback? Who's not the quarterback? This would not be that. This would clearly be JT's the guy, and Dwayne Haskins is a compliment to make us better. Now, maybe it's actually a thing where Dwayne Haskins is getting a decent amount of plays, moving the ball up and down the field, but JT Barrett's the guy in crunch time and is still the guy who can give pep talks. All right, that'll work. That's going to work. Didn't Texas do something similar to that with Swoops this year? Yeah. They brought him in late in games and stuff to run. And look at Texas. Texas had a great year, didn't they? No, they fired their head coach. Let me ask you this. Because we just got done doing a half-hour-long conversation about whether JT Barrett should leave or not. What is the difference between, or why are you insisting in your solution, Doug, to keep JT Barrett a part of it? Is it because he's earned it, or is it because you don't want to tear a team apart by taking the man out of the plan? Because to me, it's like the solution is have somebody else play quarterback sometimes because the quarterback isn't good enough. And I just don't see the point of keeping somebody in the game plan if you don't think they're good enough. No, I think he is good enough. I think he's good enough to help them win, but I think he could use a little help. And I think it would be bad for this team for him to be here and not, and not playing a great, a huge role. He's going to play if he's here. He's not coming back to be a bench warmer. I just don't know. I don't know. And you guys think he'll be here. I think he'll be here. I think I, he'll be here. I think he'll be here, but I, I, I can't envision a scenario where this is the, where the two-quarterback system is the plan. Because if JT Barrett is a compliment, then he's not the starting quarterback. And if he's not the starting quarterback, then why did he come back? Dwayne Haskins, if he's playing, I think needs to play the majority of the snaps unless Ohio State is just going to run wing T all the time and then throw it every every four possessions when Dwayne Haskins comes in the game. What if JT Barrett's the quarterback against teams where only running the ball works? And then when you need to throw it, then you play Dwayne Haskins some. Like Dwayne Haskins plays against 20, 20% of the time against bad teams. And then like you give JT a shot against them teams that are that can take away the run and you need to throw against. I mean, we said there was a school of thought going into the Clemson game that they wouldn't have to throw to win, that maybe they could just run it and still win, right? Yeah, I thought that. So keep that line of thinking, and then when the moment comes in a game where that is proven wrong, well, this isn't working, you put in Dwayne Haskins. 
I, I guess so. I don't know. But it then sounds like, like a disaster. Does, to me. does Dwayne Haskins then play the rest of the game? He just comes in and throw a few passes. It's just like anytime you have some, any subjectivity of who's going to be taking snaps, I think it becomes messy. Okay, so let me let me ask this question then: What is better for Ohio State next year? And I don't mean to leave Joe Burrow out of the discussion, but yeah. I think the one thing is Joe Burrow is a lot like J.T. Barrett. So is it like is it possible Joe Burrow could be like a better version of J.T. Barrett, sort of like a run first quarterback, but who can throw better? I don't know. Okay, I'll ask you guys this. Should it be an open competition for the starting quarterback job? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes. I don't think JT Barrett played well enough this year to, to just be handed the job. Okay, I think it shouldn't be. Um, I think it should be JT Barrett's job with Urban Meyer making it clear that we're going to find a way to help this team, the best way for this team to win games. That might be including playing Somebody else at quarterback some of the time, but leave no doubt about it. This is JT Barrett's team. He's our guy. We believe in him, but he understands there's another guy on this roster who can help us win games at quarterback, and we're going to make that happen. I think that is better than open competition. I think that's what's going to happen. Let me ask you this then. If you think it should be just one guy, we've lived through multi- a, a dual quarterback system, right? Didn't really work. If you think it should just be one guy, if I'm asking you today on the first day of 2017, Happy New Year, everyone, should it be Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, or JT Barrett? It's so hard to say because all we know about Dwayne Haskins is what people tell us about him. And that's mostly true for Joe Burrow, too. So I would say JT Barrett because he's the one that I know and he's the one that I would trust the most because he has the most experience. I think it would be okay if this team changed. I don't think it can change if he comes back. So if he comes back, I think it should be JT. But I don't know if this team would be better if he came back or if he left. If he comes back, and we agree, you guys both just said, if he's here, it should be him. If he's back, is this offense better if he's the quarterback every snap or if Dwayne Haskins gets a taste here and there? Um, I'm pretty anti-two quarterback, so I think it's better if JT Barris is a quarterback all the time. The thing I don't understand and the thing that I still won't, I just don't get, is that he was a good enough passer around to make the throws he needed to make when he was a freshman. And I think that you wrote a pretty good column about whether or not Ohio State should be making changes in their offensive staff. I think if the playmakers around him get a year better, say Ben Victor turns into a monster and turns into, you know, the player we thought Noah Brown was supposed to be this year, Mike Weber's a year better. I think it's possible that the people getting around the people around JT getting better makes him a better quarterback. And I, I just don't think that it was a hundred percent his fault. I don't know why he has problems with inaccuracy. I don't know where that came from, but if they get a quarterback's coach who can coach him up and get him in the same type of situation confidence wise that Tom Herman did, plus the rest of the team gets a year better, I don't see why they couldn't win at the highest level with him because they've already done that. Do you think JT Barrett will have a new quarterback's coach next year? And you kind of just answered this already. Do you think JT could be significantly better if they do have a new quarterback's coach? I do, on both accounts. Yeah, I think I think yes to both. I think both are possible also. I wrote it. I wrote they can't bring Ed Warner and Tim Beck back together as co-offensive coordinators. I don't have any inside information on that. I would almost guarantee that they will not come back with the same coaching arrangement. You know, it just yeah. You, you, if it's broken, then you have to fix it. And it's broken. It's broken. All right. I don't want to run. I don't want it to make it only JT. What we're doing is using the thirty-one nothing loss to look to two thousand seventeen. I made this point. I want to see if you guys agree with it. Ohio State was a nine and three team that went eleven and one. If they were in the Cotton Bowl and they beat Western Michigan, 
say in the Wisconsin spot. The Big Ten got four teams in the good bowl, so Ohio State still definitely could have been in one of the New Year's Six Bowls. If Ohio State went 9-3, and three, lost to Oklahoma and lost to Michigan, in addition to the Penn State loss, and then beat Western Michigan and with the people they had coming back, wouldn't fans and people be feeling pretty good right now? Hey, we just won a major bowl. We got a lot back for 2017. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if, to be that specific, I don't know if beating Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl would be the one that gets PJ, the juices flowing. P.J. Fleck, baby. They, if, they if would they went, sink the boat. If they went to, like, the Rose Bowl and beat a Pac-12 team, I think that would do it more so than beating Western Michigan. But the, the sentiment still holds, yes. I think that they'd be feeling pretty good about themselves coming off a major bowl win. I have a crazy theory. This was perfect. I thought what happened was perfect. I thought that the fact that they made it to the playoff with the team that they had with young players and the deficiencies that they've had um, shows you just how talented they are. That was never in question. Getting to the playoff, I think, and beating Michigan for an Ohio State fan will always be better than the alternative. And I think losing by 10 and it being kind of okay might not have forced the changes necessary to capitalize on the talent that's already on the roster. And I think the fact that they got there, they beat Michigan, and they did everything they did this year, plus the fact that this could force offensive changes that could make this team better next year, I don't think that they should be hanging. I think this is a successful season. I know you don't want to lose 31 nothing ever, and you don't want to be in a situation where you were beaten by a better team, but that's what happened. I still think it's a successful season. I think it's going to force change, and I think that they have a lot to build on. And right now I think Ohio State's program in general is in a pretty good place. I don't feel anywhere near – the questions that this program faces as a whole than uh, that we felt after they lost to the Orange Bowl in the Clemson a few years ago. Do you? Offensively, I think where they are offensively is very similar to where they were defensively after that Clemson loss three years ago. They made changes. So I think they need to make coaching staff changes. But I think that was a brilliant point you just made. The idea of like the whole season showed them what they could be, and then you get your butt kicked, and it shows you how far away you are. So you have – a whole year of building confidence with a group of young guys, many of whom are back. And then you go into the offseason with, do you want to experience that again? you got to get that much better. You know? That's a really good point. And I also just think that, like, I wasn't in a locker room. I saw a bunch of young kids in the side of the locker room thinking, we got this. Yeah, like, I don't know weird. about you. you know, like, the, the, the younger, younger guys were, like, were shaking not, hands. Were not dejected. The older guys were. And like some of the older guys were crying, but the younger guys were, like, like not celebrating, but, like, also not... They didn't look very sad. Ben Victor, I talked to Ben Victor one-on-one, and I'm not saying he wasn't upset and remorseful for the loss, but he's like, this is our time now. Okay. Those are two, you guys just, that was some real stuff right there. Seriously, I hope you've been listening to the podcast all year. I'm going to take 20 seconds to say something. We questioned this team all year. I ranted for three podcasts about how Penn State should be in the playoff. And that was right. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Ohio State next year, other positions. Okay, I want to hit two. I want to do skill position offense first. We're going to make this quick, but we've got to run through everything. Skill position offense, Mike Weber and Curtis Samuel. Okay, Mike Weber's back as the primary tailback, correct? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he's obviously back. He's still in that role. Curtis Samuel, will he stay or go? And I have a question. Is it possible that Curtis Samuel staying or going is not as quite a big a deal as people at first blush might think. Uh, I have like a really weird feeling that he's going to stay, but that's kind of based off nothing, and it makes more sense that he'd go, so I'd say he'd go, and I also agree with your second point. 
that there are other Curtis Samuel types on this roster. He's a dynamic talent. He was awesome this year. Um, they have guys who are about as good as him, I think, on the roster. They, who, who's the guy? There's a guy who's ready to step in and be Curtis Samuel if Curtis Samuel's gone, right? I think it's K.J. Hill. Oh, that's not who I thought you were going to say. say. Demario McCall. I think it's more Hill than McCall based on size, but yes, I think McCall's that guy too. I think it'd be a huge deal if he came back. I don't know what you guys are talking about. He's awesome. He no, it's awesome. Not, of course it would be a huge deal if he came back, but if he didn't come back, I don't think that they're awful because he's not there The anymore. question I have is, and the thing I don't understand, Marshawn Lattimore, protected first-round draft pick. Like You hear the stuff, right? Throughout the year, you hear about the guys who are projected draft picks. I didn't hear anything about Curtis. I, I read somebody who said, I, and I don't know, the, the two draft guys I look at most are Matt Miller of Bleacher Report and Dane Brugler of CBS Sports. I think it was one of them said he's a top 60 pick. So when they say top 60 pick, that means second round. Okay. Which which also, to my unknowing mind and I, seems about right. I think he's coming back too. And I you know, I think I'm in the same, like I don't have, that's just my school of thought. Okay. Moment. So they're back next year with Curtis Samuel. And if he's gone, it's K.J. Hill, Demario McCall at H, which I think is still a good still good talent there. Mike Weber at tailback. The receivers. Is it possible that like the three main receivers next year are still Noah Brown, although I don't know what happened to him. Noah Brown, Ben Victor, who as a true freshman, all of a sudden was part of the Fiesta Bowl game plan after making three catches all year, and Trayvon Grimes. True freshman, part of the 2017 you- class. That this whole group of older guys who played this year no offense to them but you know who they are terry mclaurin paris campbell um who's the other guy uh james clark like james clark like in that group the guys who just didn't have a lot of production are we going to see wholesale changes in the who gets the playing time i think ben victor is going to be their number one next year I don't know. That's pretty. Yeah, that's no, a pretty I, think, big thing. I, I don't know. I think it's certainly possible. I think Noah Brown's going to still be in it. I still think Noah Brown. He's got to do it. something. I or is that JT? I don't know. I don't he, know if he it's... vanished yeah. after Oklahoma. He had the game, the overtime touchdown against Wisconsin. He literally vanished. I don't know if it'll be Trayvon Grimes. I think it might be Austin Mack. I think. Oh yeah, Austin Mack. Yeah. Was Grimes injured? Yeah, he has a torn ACL. Right. So. I think Victor's definitely in it. I think Noah Brown's definitely in it. Um, I don't think Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin are going to disappear. I think they'll still be in the rotation. Um, Mac, I think, should be in it. And if Trayvon Grimes is healthy, I think he'll be in it too. I think you're still going to see a rotation. The main three, whatever, I think will be Noah Brown. I mean, don't forget, too, that they'll also have Tyjon Lindsay, who is a five-star, speedy McCall type. And maybe... And then maybe Jalen Harris, who's six foot five. But do you think we'll see a new new playing time? Yes, significantly new guys in the mix. Did you ever yeah, get the sense? I and do. I'm not going to single anybody out. I never got the sense that any of the receivers that were starting and were major roles on this team were really, really like transcendent game changing. No talents. playmakers. No, no playmakers. playmakers. They're there. They're nice. They have experience, but you need somebody who has it from the beginning. And I don't think those guys have it. It's on Zach Smith. You know, Zach Smith is very vocal on Twitter when he has Michael Thomas and Devin Smith and and Braxton Miller, and he's, you know, the king of the Twitter emoji, and he disappears um, when the receivers don't play well. And the receivers didn't play well this year, and he's on the hook for that. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, Mike Thomas was going to make himself into a great receiver if he had to go out in the parking lot by himself, I, you know. 
coaches do get credit for when guys do well, but I think Zach Smith deserves less credit for Mike Thomas than he does blame for what happened with the receiver core this year. Offensive line. Pat Offline's gone. Billy Price is coming back and is going to be the center. Mm-hmm. Correct, Bill? That's what he said, yeah. Did Billy Price seem like fired up when you talked to him in the locker room? Very much so. Yeah, he was – I asked him, like, has the, has, has the switch flipped and are you are you 2017 Billy Price? You're the center. You're the leader. And he said yes. Okay. Billy Price is going to be the center. Jamarco Jones is going to be the left tackle. He had a good year this year. He'll he be back as a senior next year. I don't think Jamarco's going to leave. All right. you know, I mean, he could, but I don't think he will. Isaiah Prince – and Malcolm Pridgen, who was hurt this year, the junior college transfer, one of them is going to be the right tackle. Mm-hmm. And either way, it's going to be better. Because either Isaiah Prince is going to be better, and he earned the right to keep the spot. He would not keep that spot if he played the way he played this year. Or Malcolm Pridgen, who you like, Bill, right? You think he's a good player? Yeah, I mean, without knowing much about him, but he, he seems like a very confident kid. And, and he came to Ohio State thinking he was going to start and got injured. So they'll be better at right tackle. They could be potentially excellent at center and left tackle. Mm -hmm. At guard, Michael Jordan should not have played as a true freshman. It's not his fault. He did the best he could. Urban Meyer has said it. We said it before. If you're playing a true freshman on the offensive line at a place like Ohio State, something went wrong. Something went wrong in the development of this offensive line, and you saw it at least early on when Michael Jordan got hurt in the Fiesta Bowl and they ended up putting in Demetrius Knox, and it just it, it wasn't there. Michael Jordan is supposed to be the depth. There's supposed to be a, a third or fourth year guy who gets hurt, and you say, well, Michael Jordan's coming in. He's going to be great. All he is is young right now. It was the reverse. You had to play the great young guy because the older guys weren't there, and you ended up putting in somebody who couldn't earn a starting spot as your backup. That's a problem. they got to find another guard. But they will. But they will. If they so, they have a pretty good one coming in. They're gonna, I don't, if we're playing the game of yeah. we're playing true freshman, you're in the same spot. Don't forget about Tyler Gerald. Freshman this year didn't play redshirted. I think they like him. And I think if you're looking for a guy who could be a guard, it's him. Uh, maybe Matthew Burrell. I think Josh Myers is very good. I don't think he's going to start next year. The reason why I said that is because Josh Myers has been told that he is good enough to play as a freshman. And he looks like a mountain. And I understand and I agree with the point that if you play a true freshman at this level – that's a problem, especially at Ohio State. But these are the messages that were communicated to him even before this became an issue. And he's a little bit freakier. He's a little bit, he's, he's a little bit of a different – he's not like Michael Jordan. He's a freakier high school athlete than Michael Jordan was. Right. And yeah. like they're showing him like flipping over 1,000 tires and power cleaning with okay. one arm. Like this is a this is – we're talking about number one prospect in the entire class. That's one of those things that if you're that kind of kid, you're so exceptional. You're Orlando – you know, you can't yeah. compare anyone to Orlando Pace, who's maybe the greatest offensive lineman ever. Um, but that level, you demand to play. That's a little different. Michael Jordan didn't demand to play. They just didn't yeah. have anyone else to play. And I still think he probably won't play, but for depth and the ability, that's good to have. And then Wyatt Davis, another five. They've got some guys coming in that'll that'll push people. So reasonable. Offensive line should be better? Yeah, I think so. Receiver should be better? Yeah. Yeah. Tailback should be better? It should be worse. Because it's the same guy. Michael Weber, it's the same guy. He'll just be a little bit better. Right? Just because he's older. Yeah. H-back, if it's not Curtis Samuel, it might be a little bit worse. But if it's not Curtis Samuel, it won't drop off a cliff. Yeah. And if it is Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel is the man. Mm-hmm. And then we got to figure out quarterback. Okay. Defense. Let's go right to the spot that's going to be ripped apart, the secondary. I talked to Gary on Conley after the game. I'll get a story out early next week. I think this is going to go down as a secondary that people talk about at Ohio State for generations. 
And I think three of the, the three guys who made it so we're all going to leave. We yeah. think Garyon Conley and Marshawn Lattimore, the two starting corners, and Malik Hooker, the best safety in the country, are going to go. That's a step back, right? Who's going to play there? And it's but it's going to be a step back, possibly significantly a step back. Yeah, unless you, I mean, there were people tweeting last night, uh, Saturday night during the Fiesta Bowl, that like Malik Hooker is the best college safety they've ever they've ever seen. Um, and if Jordan Fuller's the guy that replaces him, I think he could be really good. Um, he, expecting that of him is crazy. Jordan Fuller, I think, is actually more fit to the other safety spot, to the Damon Webb safety spot. So I'll be curious how that all shakes out. I don't know for sure. I don't know that Damon Webb's assured of his starting spot next year. No, I mean, he was the weak link in a secondary full with, filled with three other NFL first-rounders. So it's a little unfair, I think. But I agree with that. I think you do full assessment of the secondary as a whole because Damon Webb, I don't think, did anything to assert himself in that role. If they think there's someone better, then it'll be a competition. I think the safeties next year could be Jordan Fuller and Eric Smith. Eric Smith in the Malik Hooker role. Right? Isn't he that big? Yeah. Eric Smith, who's been waiting for his turn and then just so happened to get beaten out by the best safety in college football. And Jordan Fuller as a little more of a playmaker cover guy uh, at that Falcon safety spot that half the time is like a corner. Who are the cornerbacks? Denzel Ward, Damon Arnett. Again, if we're assuming both guys leave, that's who three and four were this year. Denzel Ward was playing over Marshawn Lattimore in the Clemson game. A lot. And I know that that's not unique. They've been rotating it all year, but they have to really like him to pull that guy off. He's smaller, but he's fast. I mean, he got beat by Mike Williams a couple times, but that's nothing new. Mike Williams he's beat people all year. Yeah. Damon Arnett, Josh Norwood, right? That's a name we've heard a lot, yeah. They seem to like him. Ari, who's coming in at corner? Is Lamont? What's Lamont Wade? Lamont Wade is going to Penn State. Whoa, that's a big blow for Ohio State. So they have State. a ton of Who's the other guy? they got Sean Wade coming Sean in. Sean Wade. What's Sean so, They have the same type of name. You know, that's they a, have the same, yeah. Uh, the thing about a lot of these guys is that they're bringing in is their safeties. Um, but Sean Wade is – their recruiting class is ridiculous. And the strength of their recruiting classes is the secondary. So, um, you know – They've had some holes in the secondary. They had like a recruiting hole in the secondary for a year or two. Um, yeah. But they've gotten it together in this class again. I don't think no matter no matter where you are, no matter how good the class is, if you're at a place like Ohio State, you cannot be depending on your recruiting class to fill in starting spots. Sean Wade is the number four cornerback in the country, um, and he is the only. Or no, Amir Reap is a corner. He's number fourteen in the country. Marcus Williamson's a corner. He's number sixteen in the country. All right, throw him in there. Give him a shot. But I think you'd you'd be better off if it's if Ward and Arnett prove they're ready, and then maybe a yeah. guy like and Wade it's like, is it's your very nickel. hard. It's very hard to know which positions they're going to play because they say safety and corner because I think Sean Wade plays safety. I know that Isaiah Pryor is another name you didn't mention. He's, he's a safety. He's a safety. Um, but they have four or five defensive backs coming in. And you know, here's the one name that isn't officially on the list yet, but Jeffrey Okuda has been compared to Sean Taylor. <laughs> like, we're talking about like this recruiting. He's a five-star he's a five, safety number, from Texas. The number one player in the country. And what if when's he announcing? He's announcing uh, at the Army game on the 7th. Give us the percentage chance he's a Buckeye. 99.9. Whoa. Break it down, Ari Watson. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey no, Akuda. All right, he's a starter next year. No, I think uh, just because they have other guys, it's fun to talk about the guys that are coming in. You said Norwood. I think Rajay Burns is also a guy they like. They have like long corners in there who didn't play much. And Wayne Davis is another guy I think they like too. I think that they're going to lose a lot of NFL talent. But they have some depth, like real depth at that spot. It might actually be the deepest spot they have. And we've seen things like Rajay Burns had a pick six in the first game. Didn't yeah, he? he ripped up Bowling Green. Well, the whole but 
It's not so much what he did, it's the fact that he played. In his very first game in college football, he had a pick six. No, I'm just kidding, but yeah, that's not not easy to do. Yeah. Um, Linebackers. Dante Booker is going to be the starting middle linebacker when Raekwon McMillan goes, and then Chris Worley and Jerome Baker are back as the starting outside linebackers. Yes or no? Yeah, I think that's the plan. I think that's... Who'd you say at at middle? Dante. Dante. Yeah. Justin Hilliard was hurt again this year. I I, I forgot. Was on the sideline, not in uniform. Um, Huge linebacker recruit. Nick Connor, another line. They had Baker, Nick Connor, and Justin Hilliard who came in together. And you thought these three guys are, are really good guys. Connor and Hilliard both have battled injury, and Jerome Baker has become a star. Um, but I think you're set at linebacker. Raekwon had maybe a slow statistical year early on. Monster against Michigan, monster against Clemson. He's I, an excellent player. I don't know if you watched the Clemson game. Did you guys see it? No, I was doing I thought else. Raekwon McMillan might have had the best game of anybody on the team. He will be missed. He has been a rock-solid dude. I wrote a story about him before the Fiesta Bowl. He's been a rock-solid dude since the minute he got on campus, was a co-starter for a national championship team as a true freshman. Here we are talking about don't start true freshman. He was a he made a difference for that national championship team and then has absolutely been the rock of the defense for the last two years. He will go on and be, I think, a very, very solid NFL player and will be missed. I'll tell you what, that linebacker room... Chris Worley is a dude. Chris Worley was one of the guys they put up at the podium after the loss to speak on behalf of the team. Chris Worley, I've been raving about Chris Worley all week. I love Chris Worley. I talked to him after the game, and just to hammer that point home, he he was talking about, he said, he's coming back because he thinks there's young guys on this team who need a leader. Um, And I said, why do you want to be that guy? And he said, I am that guy. It's not a matter of wanting to be that guy. I am that guy. I've been that guy. I'm a natural leader. And he was like adamant about Two huge holes in that room. Raekwon gone, Luke Fickle gone. One thing I That's o- Chris Worley's room next year. Yeah. One thing I always want to mention, because we are talking about the position group, I always want to mention who's coming. Baron Browning, five-star linebacker. He plays corner for his high school team. And is really, really good. Five stars, number nine overall player in the country. Number two outside linebacker in the country. He could be the next Darren Lee, Ryan Shazier, Jerome Baker type, sounds like. They were right? showing him playing corner. Like he plays linebacker for his team, but then when they play fast, athletic people, he plays corner. That's the type of player he is. They're set at linebacker, though. That'd be great for him to be Jerome Baker's backup next year. And then when yeah. Jerome Baker goes to the NFL after three years, then he can be the starter as a sophomore. There I think you're going to see some linebacker rotation. Because you have Malik Harrison and Keandre Jones, who I think are going to have to be on the field next year, too. I love Malik Harrison. I do. And Keandre I, Jones is a dude. He's a true freshman. He's a guy who came from Maryland with Dwayne Haskins. You're getting to the they point, love him. You're getting to the point now where all the recruiting classes, like they're starting to be here, and it's like you have these names. These are big names. Too many good players. Like Keandre Jones, when he flipped from Maryland with Dwayne Haskins, the world exploded, and now it's like he's like number nine on the depth chart. Defensive line, Tyquan Lewis. We had said on Senior Day we all thought he was going to stay. Now I feel like we all think he's going to go. He's a graduate. I think he's going to go. He's been great. Sam Hubbard says he's back. Draymond Jones and. Robert Landers and Michael Hill on the inside are all back. I still They need to get better there, though, mm-hmm. which has been a running theme for a couple of years. Um, Nick Bosa is going to be a much, 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 much bigger part of the defensive line next year. I think if Tyquan Lewis goes, Nick Bosa and Sam Hubbard are the starting defensive end. Yes, yes? for sure. Yeah. Jalen Holmes, great player. St- we think could go, could be back. Right? I mean, he could go. I just go. realized I didn't put him in the draft tracker. He could go. Um, can they get better on the inside of the defensive line? I wonder about, like, uh, Jay Sean Cornell, if he's ever going to be healthy, what he can do. Malik Barrow, I think, is a, a player who Urban Meyer likes a lot um, at defensive tackle. 
Is there anyone else we're missing there? I mean, Draymond was pretty decent, though, this year, right? Yeah, and he played much better as the season wore on. I think I think the consensus is that he got better. And Robert Landers is little, but he flashed at times yeah, inside. Yeah, Hamilton's right? in Hamilton's they have, they have guys in there that they've talked about a lot that I think they like, and it's just sort of like they're looking for collective improvement, but I don't think they're far far off from being pretty good. They have a group, but, I, but it's one of those things. It's almost like the receivers. The receivers had a lot of guys, but, like, no star. There's a lot of defensive tackle candidates, but they could use a monster. You asked Nick Bosa about moving inside, right? And he said, I asked no. Nick Bosa. He said he's an end. I mean, he was a rush, a rush end playing tackle on third down, but he said on an every down basis, he's an end. He left no doubt about I that. I just wonder if like Jalen Holmes and Sam Hubbard started end and Nick Bosa plays inside and that's your three or four starting defensive linemen. I mean, I would love that, yeah. but I don't think he, that doesn't sound like they're down for that plan. How do they replace Cam Johnston? A huge hole. I just, think they, the, I just think they shouldn't punt next year. Out of respect for Cam Johnson, just don't punt the ball next year. Um, we think they can be a playoff team. In the end, let's wrap up. Give me a th- Each of you give me a 30-second wrap-up of how you view this season in totality, Bill. Um, not, not as disappointing as you think a loss in the playoff would be because uh, I am of the thought that they shouldn't have been there in the first place. They overachieved a little bit. Um, and I think I buy, and I didn't think about this before that, but I buy a lot of what Ari said about how this is a good thing for them. They know they're talented, and they know how far off they are from the playoff. And they think there's minor tweaks to be made that make this team a championship team next year. Ari, I think it was a very, I think it was a very successful season. I think there's a black cloud over it now because they got beaten up pretty good in the game. They were a nine and three team that went eleven and one and went to the playoff, and they got a lot of young players in. They showed again how much talent they have on this roster. I, I think that this program is going to be set up to be, you know, in this position every year. And this is the goal of what – I mean, college football is about winning national championships, but it's also about being a perennial power at the highest level. And I think Ohio State's proved that they're poised to do that. I think it was a very successful season. You guys said this last night at the field before we left. Ohio State might be at the point right now where this is the bad season, where losing in the semifinal of the playoff is the bad season. And I don't know if it was Ari or Bill said, maybe that's what Alabama's season was in 2014. Like, that was a bad season for Alabama because they lost to Ohio State in the semifinal. But maybe you reach the point where you almost do expect to make the playoff every year. And then the difference between a good season and a bad season is winning it or getting knocked out in the first round. So if this is your bad season, you're really, really good. I agree they shouldn't have been here. I think the thing that happens, and I'm glad this happens, you need to hear this. During the season when they're winning but not looking great, we're critical because every game is an indication of the future, and we know where they're trying to get. They're trying to get here, and if they barely beat Northwestern, we're not focused on the win over Northwestern. We're focused on, was that good enough to get to the playoff? Somehow, some way, they got to the playoff, but now, in the moment, we're not going to freak out that they lost to a tremendously talented Clemson team, okay? A lot of what we said during the year was right. There were issues. They somehow, with smoke and mirrors, figured out the issues to the point where they could get this far, and then they were done. There was nothing they could do. If people are ripping Tyler Durbin, if he would have made those field goals, they would have lost 31 to 6, not 31 to nothing. This was not about momentum swings. This was not about gaining confidence. The offense couldn't move the ball, just like they couldn't much of the year. This is who they were, that they became this team with this huge, glaring flaw is amazing in the end. What can they do? What should they do? They need change. 
among the offensive leadership to put these players in a better position. I don't like anyone. I don't like the fans. I don't like reporters, anybody coming in and asking the 20-year-olds after a loss, what's wrong with them? And the guys making half a million dollars get off. Tim Beck came and faced the music in the locker room. I asked Tim Beck to his face if he should be back next year. He answered the question. I personally, I'm not saying 100% sure they weren't there. I didn't see Zach Smith. I didn't see Ed Warner. They're making a lot of money. These kids aren't making any money. So if we're going to hang something on somebody, let's point to the people at the top who make this thing go. The players help make this team a better season than it should have been. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. We're going to keep up the Buckeye talk. We're going to keep up the stories. Bill Landis is going to start nailing it in basketball. Ori Wasserman is going to bury himself in a recruiting bunker until signing day on the first Wednesday of February. We never stop. I hope you enjoyed this football season. It was an interesting season to cover. We always appreciate you guys hanging with us. So, for the first Buckeye Talk podcast of 2017 and the last Buckeye Talk podcast of this season, on behalf of Ori Wasserman, on behalf of Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. That was Buckeye Talk.